wolf in sheep's clothing. We hear about that from time to time, meaning people who come into the church who aren't really Christians, we call them, and they don't want to become Christians, mm-hmm. call them wolves in sheep's clothing, sometimes are teachers. But how do you tell whether somebody is a wolf in sheep's clothing? Yeah, and that was actually Jesus's uh, word picture that yeah. he came up with that. And, and oftentimes we view them as leaders or shepherds. Yep. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just people in the church. There's many different ways to tell, but Paul gives one way here in Mm -hmm. Galatians chapter 2. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And And happy Monday. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I mean, it may be my favorite. I. I, of course, Easter is the resurrection of Jesus, but I think Thanksgiving is one that if we practice that, in fact, I encourage you to read my blog from this last weekend. Well, the the title is "You Should Have Skipped Thanksgiving." <laughs> uh, I just think that it, it is life changing for anybody who learns the habit of expressing gratitude, not just saying they're thankful, but but being specific about what they're grateful for. It changes everything in life when That's people right. begin that habit. Yeah, and too often, you know, we go through Thanksgiving, we are thankful, but then it kind of ends there. Yeah, and we get ready for Christmas, but now this should this should continue to stick with us. All throughout Christmas. We usually go from gratitude to greed. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Well, Galatians chapter two. Well, let's get into this. I'll start reading. Dad, I'm just going to look to see how many. Uh, yeah. And a reminder verses. again, we're we're repeating Galatians. I just had this conversation again with somebody last week, wondering, again, asking why and and thinking, well, but it, it's boring when you repeat something like this. But this this is so beneficial. It, it really is. You're going to learn three times as much, four times as much by repeating. Yeah. And in fact, what I have done with a lot of young Christians is I've gotten them started on one book like Ephesians, and then we just keep rereading Ephesians for months. We'll do that. But when they come out of that, knowing the book Ephesians inside and out is way better than having covered a lot of ground, but not really remembering it. And this is how Jesus studied the Mm -hmm. Torah when he was growing up. It was constant repetition. So we are learning like Jesus learned. Um, but I also, I was talking with a, a friend yesterday. He said that when he's a new believer, he would read Isaiah very fast, a chapter of Isaiah every morning. And then he'd go mm-hmm. to his other devos. He's like, after like a few weeks, I started to understand like the structure of Isaiah, I started oh, picking out things that I've never picked up, you know, a month ago. And so there's a lot of value uh, yep. in this. All right, I'll, I'll start reading Galatians chapter two. Again, this is Paul writing to the church of Galatia, which is a region, not yes, a so city. It's, so it's multiple churches, actually. Yeah, the churches in Galatia. Yep. And this would have been early on. So this is before, um, this is before like the council in, in Jerusalem, as we talked about last time. Yeah, where they really went after legalism. Uh, and he wrote this from home. Yeah, yep. All right, Paul writes this. He says, then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again. This time with Barnabas and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that they were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. If you had to found that out, it's like, man, that had been 14 years of feeling like, man, my work was... And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. So he's talking about the legalism there. Yeah. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones, really. And and, and this is where we get the whole idea of sheep Mm -hmm. and wolves clothing. He says, really, who were secretly brought in, they sneaked in to spy on us and take us away from the freedom we have in Christ. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. Now, 
what Paul's getting here is here's one way to identify a wolf in sheep's clothing in the church is are they trying to divide? Hmm. Are they, are they trying to divide the body? Are they trying to divide maybe like a small group divide you from your leaders? That is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. They're trying to sway you over their opinion against another person's opinion. That's, that's what definition, that's what divide is. So, yeah. We're not talking about disagreements Mm -hmm. that, that often there's part of sanctification process is just like forming different opinions and growing in our opinions and, and all of that. So there should be good, healthy discussion but there can be sheep and wolf, sheep and wolves clothing who come in and just try to undermine leadership, um, or they try to divide us, you know, a group or divide you from from um, you know friendships. That happens quite a bit. Verse five says, "But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you." And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, the reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. <laughs> Instead. They saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as they had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. And dad, does that seem a little bit prideful? I think that it was quite clear. I mean, Paul was the only person who had done this. Nobody else had gone on a major missionary trek through the Gentile part of the world presenting the gospel and seeing Gentiles coming to Christ. So I, I think that um, I, I don't see this as a prideful thing at all. I think he's just pointing out the reality of everybody yeah. who knew the church, the early church at that time, it was, as it was growing, they understood this. Right. Yeah. I went to a church uh, a couple of weeks ago um, that the teaching actually was um, Nicole and I were, and we're, and we're not, and we even said this after church, we're like, we don't want to be critics. And so, and so we're not going to be critics. <laughs> But the teaching was one where I was like, no, we need to talk about this as a family because it was really bad. Mm. It undermined a wow. lot of scripture, um, which is very well, unfortunate very and sad. just heartbreaking to see that that happen. And I know the church. At one time, it was a church that was strong in biblical teaching. Yeah, yeah. And they've uh, they've caved to some movements going on. But there was, uh, he did say one good, one good thing that I really liked in the teaching. And he said that often we tend to um, judge, especially even Paul or scripture based on our own culture. So he said, sometimes we can read the teachings of Paul and we think, oh, he's very prideful. But he said, what is, what is um, biblical humility? Biblical humility is doing, thing, doing things for the interest of others, not for my own interest, but for the interest of others. So Paul here might look like he's elevating himself. You know, hey, what God did through Peter, he's doing it through me. Paul's not doing it for his interest, but for the benefit of the Galatians that he's writing to mm-hmm. is really, and that is biblical humility. And, so and he's not all, being proud. Yeah. And it's also a recognition that it's not in and of himself, that he's recognizing that this came from God. Yeah. And so he's not saying that I have earned this place, but that this is what God has appointed me to do. Right. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles, but they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. Hmm. Dad, you want to take it to verse 11? Yeah, and I wonder if that statement didn't come out of, uh, because they were going into Gentile areas. And the people nat- were quite naturally more wealthy than in the heavily Jewish concentrated well, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. Yeah. And so I wonder if that wasn't a bit of a reminder because now he's serving in, a, in wealthier areas, ministering among wealthier people. And some of these are becoming believers that they're saying, hey, listen, just make sure that you're still focused on the poor. 
Anyway, verse 11, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And Barnabas was his, was his partner. He said, he's not having that. He, so he went to Peter. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are both Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. And it's, you know, when we looked at this last week, but it is interesting what happened there. You have Peter who is eating with the Gentiles. And then as soon as the circumcision party comes in, which sounds like a terrible party, <laughs> doesn't sound like a party at all. <laughs> That's not a party. <laughs> but when the legalists come in, then Peter starts to be more concerned about his image. Oh no, I'm eating with the Gentiles. Mm. And so he refrains from eating with the Gentiles. And that then ticks off Paul yeah. as it should, because that is hypocritical. Yeah. And and so, um, and I, I do like that this is in scripture, that this is included in scripture. You have Peter, his sin is included in scripture, which actually gives me faith in scripture that this is real. Yeah. This really happened. Peter could have, and Peter had a lot of power. He, he could have scrubbed all this. It, you bet. He said, no, I was wrong. Put that yeah. in there. Let, let the mm. people learn. That's good. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ and then are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for Christ. So his focus then was on the principle, the big picture, and that is living for Jesus. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Yeah, I love that. My old self has been crucified with Christ. Sometimes mm -hmm. we can struggle with our past. Recently talking with a woman who just has a lot of baggage in her past and shame. And, and um, I use this verse to just remind her, that, that, that's not you though. That's your old self that yeah. was crucified. And yeah. now you are living in Jesus and you're a different person. Yeah. He does not see our sin. He sees Jesus's righteousness in us yeah. because we're crucified with him. Right. All right, we're over in Proverbs 27, so let's uh, let's get over to Proverbs 27. And verse 4 is the verse that I'm going to quote. It says, anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood. Now, he speaks a lot about anger in Proverbs. And so he's just, but he's, he's actually saying, he's going to say, but something is worse. <laughs> so as bad as anger is, and as much as he talks about anger and wrath in Proverbs is being a way to destroy your life. And by the way, it will, if you've got a problem with anger, you got to get a hand. If you have to go get some counseling, do that because it will destroy your career. It'll destroy your relationships. But he says, there's something that's even worse. Who can survive the destructiveness of jealousy? Yeah. And actually, you know, the NLT here wants to make it uh, as 
modern as possible here. The word, the Hebrew word behind this is better understood as envy. Yeah. Who can, and I don't, I wish they wouldn't do that because jealousy and envy are two different things. They are, right? Envy is wanting what other people have, wishing you were in their shoes. And when, when, a, when we become envious, they call it the green-eyed monster. They call it that because it winds up distorting our view that we see everything through that lens of envy. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish I had this. And politicians understand this is why they try to divide people through envy. And they do. And, and, uh, but envy will destroy you. And the only way to overcome envy is to celebrate the good fortunes of another person. Yeah. It destroys families so often, even extended, extended Mm -hmm. families. And, and, and the problem is we don't tend to see envy in the mirror. We tend to think, well, I'm not envious. It's a childish Mm -hmm. problem, but I bet that there is somebody that you know that you don't like, and you can't really put your finger on it. They just bug you. And the, I would venture to say the reason that you don't like them is because they have something you don't have or they're further along or they just get more attention. They may have a life that you wish you had. Yeah. People just like them better, more drawn to them. And, and you don't like them for for that reason. And in some ways that is human nature, not human nature. That's our sinful nature. Yeah. Um, And we are responsible for that. Celebrate them. If you ever say something like, Oh, she's too perfect. Yeah. Or he just gets everything he wants. You, you say those things. You got a problem with envy yeah. and that will destroy you. Yeah. The only way to overcome is to celebrate the good fortunes of That's other the people. the quickest way. And thank God for them. So good. All right. Well, it is November 27th and it's Cyber Monday. Oh, man. Cyber Monday. So <laughs> lots of deals online. I don't know. I feel bad kind of. I'm not trying to promote that. It's just that's what today is. <laughs> Well, so. it isn't a bad time to, it's not a bad time to buy the Christmas gifts uh, for the right. kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're almost pretty much done though, so. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Close to it anyway. Okay. All right. Well, hey, enjoy the Monday today and uh, we look forward to being with you tomorrow. Yeah. God bless.